Good evening. Glad you're all here. Decided to be here with us uh, to worship with the church that meets here at Dalreda. It's a blessing. If you're visiting with us, uh, stay around. Hopefully we'll have the opportunity to meet you, spend some time with you, um, and get to know you a little bit better. Before we begin our lesson tonight, let's pray together. Lord our God, we come before you, thanking you for your word. Your word that you send into all the earth, and your word that you created the earth with. God, and we know that word became flesh and dwelt among us. Help us to learn tonight how to live more like your son, so that we may go into the world and they can know what your word looks like. God, help us all to obey you so that we can draw closer to you. We look for the time where we get to be in heaven with you one day. We pray all this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Davis was a little worried when I gave him the, the scripture reading. He, he looked down, he realized, he actually came up to me, he goes, thank you for giving me a shorter one to read tonight. Next time I'm going to give him a longer one, so don't worry. <laughs> iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know, when you think about that term, iron sharpens iron, you know, I've, I've heard it for years. Um, you know, whether it was devotionals or retreats, uh, various themes that I've seen based off of those few words. But I'm just wondering, what comes to your mind when you hear that, iron sharpens iron? What's the, the visual that first comes to you when you think of that? You know, for some time I think about, you know, a sword, and somebody taking a, a whetstone and going across and making it sharper. You know, I went growing up, I had tons of knives. My, my grandfather, every time I go back home, he, uh, he always has this huge box full of knives. And every, I'll talk to him every once in a while, and, you know, I usually walk away from his house with another knife. Um, but, you know, I think about those growing up. My brother and I, we would take those knives, you know, and we'd play out in the woods, and we'd come back. Man, we would have them all bent up. The ends of them would be broken off. You know, we'd been cutting stuff in the dirt. You know, I mean, you can just imagine what they would look like. And Papa was always able to take them and make them sharp again. Now, they might not be the, the full knife as before, but, you know, slowly he'd get them back. You know, I, I think about that when I first have that visual that comes to mind. You know, I think about, uh, you know, a knife or a sword that maybe needs to be sharpened up a little bit. It, it serves its potential. It's able to do a lot, but it needs to be sharpened a little bit. And then I think about maybe a step further, another extreme where you have something that you just can't use anymore. You know, I, I don't know, probably you do in your knife drawer at home, you probably have that one paring knife that can't cut through a tomato, and you still keep it, but you know that it needs to be sharpened, but it's still there, and you, you hope the next time that you pull it out of the drawer that maybe you can cut that tomato, but you know it just like laughs at it every time. You know, and so I think sometimes we have, you know, that visual that comes to mind, maybe I think about a piece of metal, this iron that serves no purpose at all. How do you get it down to be sharp enough to serve a purpose? I remember my brother growing up, he thought it'd be a fantastic idea to take an old piece of steel and turn it into a big, uh, a big knife. He did a fantastic job. He built a box for it to go in. But I remember when he first started off, it was just a flat piece of iron. He ground it, he would shape it, and he made it into a really nice looking knife. But something that had no form, had no real purpose, that it needed to be made into something. And so when you think about this iron sharpens iron, what is the visual that comes to mind? Is it just, you know, a, a knife or is it a sword that just needs to be shaped a little bit? It's got a few burrs on it. It's got a few chunks missing out of it and it just needs to be shaped a little bit. Or maybe it's just rough cut. 
Maybe there's nothing there at all and it needs to be made into something better. Maybe you have another visual. We think about two pieces of iron of equal quality coming together uh, to shape one another. I think about various chefs that I see on TV where they take those knives and they go uh, back and forth on each other to shape, to sharpen before they're able to do the task. I want you to hold whatever visual is in your mind when you think about Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron. Because whatever visual comes up in your mind, we're going to look at a few different uh, things for us tonight. But as it's coupled with the next phrase, so one man sharpens another. You know, I don't know in your friend group how many people are present there. You know, if you look across this congregation, I can think about numerous friends and family that I have just sitting in this one room based off of our conversations, the time that we've spent together. I have countless stories with many of you that uh, have really made an impression in my life, but more importantly, in my spiritual life. Whether it's a late night in college, sitting around talking, maybe even pulling one another out of the depths of faith with issues that we may be having. You know, I, I heard a lot of people talk about, you know, these experiences that we have in college, you know, where you stay up all through the night and you talk and, you know, you have class and stuff to do the next day. You know, that usually ends when you come out of college. And then I found friends that like coffee and like staying up late. And I still have that same group of people that I'm able to talk with and be encouraged with and have those conversations about faith and about life. I think about the conversations with my wife. You know, whether riding in the car or just sitting around the house talking about spiritual things. I think about conversations I have with some of you just in passing. Where you stop by and say, hey, you know, I was thinking about this verse the other day and you said something that made me think of it. Or I read this verse or, you know, I saw this person that was going through this and it made me think of you. You know, it's really neat what we have in the church. I honestly believe there is no organization, there is no other body of people, no group of people that can offer the same thing that we have in the church. Isn't that amazing? That across ages, across generations, across various lifestyles and personalities and social classes, whatever else you want to throw in there, people may find as a division, we're actually able to draw closer together. And look at the conversations that we have with one another. Look at what we really do with one another, how we build one another up. It's truly amazing. And I want us to think tonight, maybe do a little bit of an assessment for one another, and find out maybe what we need or what we can really offer to one another. Because I know there are people in this room that I don't know very well. I may know you by name and I may know you by face. But I guarantee if we sat down, we could have conversation and we could build and become closer together. You know, I think about conversations that I've had with people that have turned into uh, friendships and relationships I would have never expected. And I would have never had those opportunities had it not been in the church. But let's spend some time tonight and think about what are we really offering to one another? How are we really shaping and molding and sharpening? And how is this iron working on iron really working in our lives? So I want to consider a few things tonight. The first is, I want us to think about how that we may comfort one another. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You should think about Paul and his time that he spends in Corinth. Man, what a rough cut group of people he found in Corinth. A hodgepodge of people coming from various social classes and differences and religions. 
Wow. You look at these people and it was a boiling pot. Corinth was a boiling pot for so many different things. But Paul drops into the city. After having done his missionary journeys, he comes over to Corinth and he spends time with the church there. I think probably one of his more successful points in his missionary journeys is those that he has in Corinth. And time after time, he spends with them, you know, two years here, maybe a letter here, you know, coming back for a visit here. But sometimes he had to come to them and he had to be a little rough. Maybe the sword had been used in battle. Maybe they had been facing so many different oppositions in front of them. They've just been nailed time after time by people who don't believe in Jesus the Christ. Maybe they questioned the resurrection. Maybe they were taking these thoughts of Jesus and they are running too far. Maybe that sin had crept in and even had become part of the church. And Paul would come back and he's like, okay, let's talk. We've got to shape this up a little bit. We've got uh, we to shape one another. We've got to sharpen. We've got to do this iron on iron. And that can come with so many problems. You know, you look at what we face day by day in our lives. We really do have countless stories that we could share with one another. You know, look through our prayer list. We have so many families and people that are going through hardships right now. I know there's people in here that maybe have just lost a job. Maybe there are people looking for answers of why life is the way that it is. Maybe people have lost loved ones. Maybe you've decided, you know, that things are not looking up for you. Maybe you're struggling with finances. I don't know what that may be, but across this room, we have a lot of afflictions. We have a lot of things that are coming up between us that are hurting, that that are really affecting a lot of people. And the worst thing that we can do is try and fight our battles by ourselves. And sometimes what we need from one another is comfort. And so I think about 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. As Paul's writing to the church, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Honestly, we could stop at verse 3 and just think, you know, yes, God is the God of all comfort. He's there. He hears our prayers. He's, he's always providing for us as his children. But the story doesn't stop there, and the, the task doesn't end with just verse 3. You go on to verse 4, and he says, Who comforts us in all our affliction?" Yeah, God does comfort us in all of our affliction. I can't tell you how many times in my personal life, and you as well, that God has done so many great things for you. He has worked wonders in our lives because He is a loving Father who cares about us. We could just spend all night talking about what God has done to comfort us in our afflictions. The heavenly being that created all things by the word of His mouth, the one that takes time to comfort us. But as I said, it doesn't just end with God. He says, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort by which we ourselves are comforted by God. Have you ever thought about that process that we go through? As iron sharpens iron, what have you learned in your life from God? Some of us come from very different backgrounds. Family situations that you wouldn't wish on anybody. And I know that I've shared them with you, and I've shared them with various people, whether from the pulpit or on an individual basis. You know my family life, where I've come from. You know what mine looked like, and you know what? I'm able to sit down with so many people who are going through hard times with their family, whether they have a father like mine that suffered with drug addiction, or maybe even lost their life like my dad did through drug addiction. 
Maybe people struggle with grudges. I held one against my dad for the longest time. People who are going through divorce, broken homes, broken families. I experienced a lot of that firsthand. And I'm able to sit down with people and talk with them and comfort them with the same comfort that I received from God. But I'll tell you, I first did not receive that in and of myself, by myself. There were so many people who sat down and invested time in me and encouraged me through some of the hardest moments in my life. First and foremost, God was there through all of it. But he allowed me to be able to open up to others and others to open up to me that I'm able to comfort them. You may not know this about yourself, and you maybe, not, you maybe have not seen the light at the end of the tunnel, but you're going through a lot of tough things, and I realize that. Maybe things that haven't even approached the light yet, things that you may be struggling with in the dark, maybe within a family unit, whatever the case may be. There's going to be a time where you pass through that, when you put your faith in God and you're able to overcome these challenges. And you're going to turn around and you're going to find other people in the same situation that you have just come out of. If you haven't seen one of those opportunities open up in your life yet, you will. The more that you invest in one another, the more that iron sharpens iron, the more that you're going to find opportunities to comfort one another. I know that life may seem difficult right now, and you may not see that light at the end of the tunnel. And maybe you're looking for someone that has already received comfort from God, and they have received answers for the way that things are working in their life, and they have come to terms with it or peace. If you, are, have, if you have passed through something, Find someone that you can comfort. Find someone that you can lift up and encourage through whatever the situation may be. You have so many abilities that you may not know about. We don't need to take advantage or, you know, cast it off to the side, this, this goal of comfort that we have in one another. And I realize that you may be asking the question, well, how am I supposed to know what someone's going through because I never even said anything until I came through it. You're right. That person may never, may never say it out loud, but these friendships and these family that we make with one another, it will eventually come. But that takes us opening up to one another. And when we open up, we become vulnerable. Think about when you first opened up to God, when you, you laid everything on the table and you told him everything about your life, although he, he already knew it. He was there to comfort you. And you can do the same thing to others. So I stop and think here for a minute. When it comes to iron sharpening iron, do you need comfort? And can you offer comfort? What you receive from God and what you can give to someone else. But another thing for us to consider tonight, you can find in Galatians chapter 6. We find comfort and we offer comfort. But we also have to find and offer correction. Now, you're familiar with Galatians chapter 6. Um, I, will I will forever have it made into my mind, better burden bearers. Thank you very much, Doug, for that one. That's one of those sermons that's really stuck out to me uh, because of this verse. But I want to look, starting in verse 1, listen to what Paul says. Galatians 6, starting in verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. 
but let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. You know, I stop and I think about verse 1. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. I think one of the toughest conversations we have with people is when it revolves around sin. Whether it's us opening up saying, I'm really struggling with whatever that may be. Or maybe you know that someone is specifically struggling with whatever sin, and you've decided and you've prayed about it and you've thought, you know what, I need to say something to them. I've seen them struggling with this, and I've been watching from a distance, and I've, been, I've just been sweeping it under the rug, just maybe avoiding it, maybe hoping that they'll get it fixed. They'll do it. They don't really need me. I would just be intruding in their life. If you dig into this a little bit more, it's not just approaching someone and saying, hey, you really need to stop that. There's a little more investment. There's a little more that needs to go on, a little bit of a gentler side when it comes to sharpening, when it comes to this iron wearing off of iron. Look at what he says the qualification has to be. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That word spiritual has taken a lot of different forms in our religious world today. Those who are spiritual. You know, if I was to ask you, who would you really, you know, what characteristics would you put onto someone who is spiritual? You know, one of our favorite terms, they're there every time the door opens. Or I always see them, you know, reading their Bible. They've got a good prayer life. Whatever that mold may be that we say, this is what makes a spiritual person. Paul tells us he's writing to the church of Corinth. He says, a spiritual person is a person who thinks like God. Spirit, the spirit of gentleness, the spirit of God that dwells within us. Think about how God deals with our afflictions, how God deals with our transgressions. There's a whole book of history from the very beginning of how God has dealt with our transgressions. Many times God has to be a little severe. Maybe sometimes he has to be gentle. Maybe sometimes he approaches them from different angles, but every time he knows what is needed to bring people out of the pit of darkness and transfer them to the marvelous light. You see, the more time that we spend with one another, the more that we realize what is needed to help one another get out of transgressions, to get out of sin. I don't know what many of you are struggling with, and there are people in this room that I know exactly what you're struggling with. But if I was going to approach it from the mindset of God, what does that look like? You know, there are some people, and I don't know how you were when it came to your training when you were growing up. My mom could look at me and say, I'm disappointed. I'm done. I'm, I'll change whatever you need me to. I've corrected myself. Then there are those kids where, you know, you could just whip them one time or even the threat of whipping and they've already changed. We all approach things in a different way, how we, how we approach correction. You know, I do have some really stubborn friends, and they probably classify me that same way every once in a while. There's sometimes where I can go to a certain friend and I can just lay it on the line and say, hey, look, what in the world are you doing? And other people that I approach from a different perspective, a calmer perspective. You see, the more that we know one another, the more that we realize what we need. Whether it's a knife that has been broken into a million pieces that you really have to grind and shape and turn into something, or maybe it just it needs a little working. It just needs a, a few of the burrs to come off of it. 
But you who are spiritual should restore one another in a spirit of gentleness. But you got to know what people are going through. And it's not just to leave them hanging by themselves, but rather, he says in verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus was willing and submissive enough to come to this world to take on suffering and to take on our sin, to take on flesh so that he could relate to us, so that he could build us up. And he could take our sin, he could put it on the cross, and he could die and he could be resurrected. Jesus went through everything he possibly could in order for him to relate to us, in order for him to take our burdens. What links will we go to for one another to build up and to carry one another's burdens? What links will you go to 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 help one another? We need to find ourselves in the point of correction. So how will you do that? How will you handle one another? Another verse for us to consider tonight is in Titus chapter 2. In Titus chapter 2, something else that iron sharpens iron with is training. You know, from a very young age, I guess people saw the potential in me that I never really saw in myself. You know, I had many people tell me, you know, you're going to be a preacher one day. You know, that's something that you have a talent for. You're going to be a preacher one day. For the longest time, I just, you know, I was like, no, that terrifies me. You know, large groups intimidate me. I was never, you know, I, I was just not on board with that. But I had people that invested in me. People that encouraged me and built me up, but they trained me. They took time out of their day to, to be a mentor, to be an encouragement and put all these things into practice. But I can't help but think of Titus chapter 2 as Paul is training Titus of what he should do. And then encouraging Titus to go find other people that he can encourage to do the same thing. It's a process that Paul found. He said, here's how it goes, that you need to train one another. You need to find the potential in other people and you need to to set an example for yourself and for them of how the church needs to grow up and what it needs to look like. And he says here in Titus 2, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and a sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. A whole other sermon can be reserved for the the first parts of Titus chapter 2. You know, I think it's fantastic to see programs like Lads to Leaders, or Seeds and Lights, our children's classes that we have our youth ministry, college ministry, whatever ministry that we have offered here at Dalreda, there's so many opportunities to train one another. There's so many different ways to to take the Word of God and to to teach one another, to, to say, hey, look, let's study together. The class offerings that we have around here are fantastic. The teachers that we have that are able to impart knowledge, but it's not just in a classroom setting, but it's in those conversations we have in one another's houses, in the hallways as we pass by. There are many people here who have trained me to be a better husband, 
to be a better father. Many of you have taken time out of your life to invest and train and encourage me. And there's probably times where you have trained me and you didn't even know it. Everyone has a role. Read through these verses again and find yourself and find what you need in your life. What you need to be trained in, but the part that sticks out to me is the very end of what Paul said in verse 8. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Whether he's talking about a small entourage of missionaries that are present here, or whether he's talking about the collective body of the church. If we take the time out of our lives to train one another, where we're all on the same page, we have commonality, we all look the same, we all have the same goal, you will see a powerful group of people that are able to go into the world that people cannot find a flaw in. And what I mean by not being able to find a flaw, each one of us, we have our imperfections. We have things that we struggle with, but if we as a collective body are always holding one another accountable, if somebody comes in and says there's an inconsistency here, we surround one another and we're able to build up so that we may look the same. That is the goal of the church is for everyone to look like Jesus. And without training, that's not possible. Without our participation in Bible discussions, in Bible classes and sermons and and other opportunities outside of what we have here, how are we supposed to train one another? If we don't really take advantage of a men's breakfast, of youth days, college events, and whatever plug we want to put in there, how are we really going to train one another to look the same? And what will the world think if they realize we're not on the same page? So we offer training to one another. And finally, the the last thing I want us to consider tonight is in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 12, we offer encouragement. Now, comfort, we're able to to build one another up and surround in these, these challenges, but Encouragement takes a little bit different form. In, Galatians, in uh, rather Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Heaven's waiting for us. Jesus came to this earth to show us that there is a path that we have to take to find God. Heaven's waiting for us. And there's some people that are going to reach it quicker than others. There's some people that you have lived a life ready in preparation for that hope. Some of us are just starting that newer process, trying to find our our way to heaven. But if we don't lean on one another and we don't remind each other that this life is not everything that we have, if we get so burdened and we stop looking up and we start looking down and we think about all the material and we think about all the world and we think about all the possessions and the pride of life and whatever you want to throw in there, we really lose focus of heaven. But the more that we encourage one another to, hey, look, let's keep going just a little further, just a little more. Let's keep working. Let's keep striving. Let's keep training. Let's keep correcting. Let's keep bearing. Let's keep doing whatever we can to lift one another up. If we keep encouraging one another and reminding one another that hope in heaven is waiting for us, we can get through this life. But if you allow a broken knife just to sit over to the edge with no help at all, 
Do you allow somebody to pass by and not help them? Are we really fulfilling the commandment that God has given us? Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know, if we look across this room, we realize we're in a lot of different places in life. And we're in a lot of different needs. And I realize it's scary and it's intimidating to to just lay those out. But my challenge for you today and every day of your life is to find people that will make you better. Find people that you can rely on. Find people that you can help as well. Find your role in iron sharpens iron, whatever that may be, whether it's just helping one another at equal qualities or maybe it's becoming better and shaping and molding and whatever the case may be, find your goal and find your task here in the church. And if you realize that you're struggling and you need help, the church is here not to judge you or condemn you, but to lift you up and build you up so that we can invest in one another so that we can encourage one another as long as it's called today, because right now we have time. We don't know if we have tomorrow. We don't know if we have next week. But I know I've got this moment. And if I let this moment pass by, I may not have another. So my challenge to you is to find where you are and find what you need. Find what you can offer. Will you take the challenge? Will you let iron sharpen iron? And will you be better today? than you've ever been. And you'll find the help today that you really need. If there's anything that we can help you with, come as we stand as